Welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast, the most informational, educational, and entertaining podcast for auto detailers. Welcome to the community. Hi, welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast. My name is Marshall Hill, and I'm your guide as we journey through the car care industry. Excited that you're with us. And today we're chatting with Nick, and we're having a great Monday already, aren't we, Nick? <laughs> Instagram oh, downs, Facebook wow. down. We shouldn't even share social handles because they can't look us up, can they? <laughs> no, it's, uh, but you can find me when Zuckerberg gets it all figured out at Hyperclean Nick <laughs> on Instagram. We're uh, sharing a lot more stuff there now. And we want to promote Hyperclean Specialists on Facebook as the private Facebook group for anybody wanting to learn more about Hyperclean installations, stuff like that. All right. And you can find me at Total Auto Solutions on most platforms. If you're on TikTok, at Detail Supply App. Best way to get in touch, though, shoot me a text direct, 918-800-1188. And best way to get in touch with Nick is shoot him an email. It would be Nick at vegasrides.com nick i am hopping into well wild range this is a ipa from uh, an interesting place right let me back into how i found this ipa it started with mushrooms do you like mushrooms now not the shrooms that you used to eat <laughs> i mean the mushrooms that are stuffed with cheese do you like those oh of course yeah of yeah course. yeah yeah uh, so I was at dinner on Friday night with a good buddy of mine, Randall Fry, who they just moved back to Oklahoma recently. They were living down in Texas by the Austin area. Fun note, if you ever go down to Austin, uh, you go north about 30, 40 minutes, and there's actually a riverbed with dinosaur tracks in it. Really oh, cool. cool. I went to go visit him a couple of years ago. We got to go see those. They moved back into town, and they're in a small town of Inola, Oklahoma, Right. Uh, apparently they love suburbs and we're sitting there having dinner and eat this uh, nice mushroom. It's got stuff, stuff in it. You know, I'm like, where did you get that? They go at Aldi's like Aldi, like Aldi. Yeah. I heard they made a, they made a comeback. Aldi's made a comeback. I think they did. So <laughs> my dad used to go there and I was always like, dad. Like, oh yeah. It's horrible. <laughs> yeah. It used to be horrible. But now you're right. Like, so on Sunday, uh, sat, yeah, Saturday, so that was Friday night. Now, Saturday, I'm like, you know, listen, babe, we got to go get some more mushrooms. <laughs> like, <laughs> those, were, those were so good. So we take a little journey over to Aldi, and you're right. Like, it was super clean inside. Everything was positioned more like a grocery store. Like, I was like, okay, this is legit. And I just so happened to walk past their beer. <clears throat> they got only just a little in cap of some beer, and this is, this is their beer. Uh, I don't know who brews it for him, but I tried it last night and I was like, holy shit, this is actually pretty good. Yeah. I heard this Aldi story from, from my family back in Ohio. They, they said they were going to Aldi. I'm like, Aldi, what are you talking about? It, it is uh, what it is. Some, somebody came in and bought it or something, some Swedish company maybe, and like did a whole flip and turn around. And now it's not like it was when we were kids, I guess. Good for them. I, I guess. I mean, it, it was pretty cool. I mean, so the interesting part though, the weekend wasn't so much all that, that was a bonus, right? Like <laughs> you, you find a place to get some shrooms and you get beer at the same time. I mean, <laughs> Hey, that's good. It's a win-win for everybody. Now 
the biggest blow part of the whole weekend where I just went, wait, what? What'd you say? Was we're at dinner and we're chatting about their new house that they got and their neighbor was next door and he, their neighbor's next door. <laughs> the owner lives next door and is a neighbor and he's the one that sold the house because it was an extra house he had built for, I think, family or something. I don't know. And they almost lost the deal on the home because they have two adopted black kids. And he did not want the neighborhood to go down. And he tried, no. to, he tried to block the sale after they had a contract and saw the people moving in and saw the two black kids. And that's exactly where I go, huh? Like, what did you say? I didn't, I didn't even know how to respond to that other than what? Like, Are you fucking with me? Is that what you said? <laughs> Why would anybody care about that? Don't know. But I mean, what do you say? I don't know. You probably think, Jesus, we need to move out of this neighborhood. <laughs> I'm surprised they're still living there, right? Yeah, that's that's the craziest story of the weekend by far. Oh, no clue what to say at all. So in this episode, in this segment, we're going to talk about what do you say? Like random shit happens not only in life, right? But in business, right? Imagine this is what we joked about a second ago. Listen, we're having a Monday here. I had a, <laughs> I had a line go out on a pump. Uh, we're going to end up need to replace another pump. I got soap that sprayed all over me. Like it's a Monday here, but could you imagine if you're Zuckerberg and you got Instagram and Facebook down? Whew, I mean, what do you say yeah. to those phone calls? Yeah, it's look, man, sometimes, you know, shit just hits the fan all at once, right? You just have one of those moments and, you know, you'll get past it and you'll figure out what happened and you'll try to make sure that it doesn't happen again. And I mean, what else do you do? I don't know. All right. So let's get some, uh, there's plenty of newbies, right? We always say there's new people and there's right. There's the, this is one that I've seen on a Facebook group that I want to get your opinion, right? What do you say when you're brand new, right? Because there's plenty of people that are starting to get into it and they're putting this is the interesting part, right? You and I, we would have gone out and tried to like, we didn't have anything other than, Hey, let me clean your car. Or I'm going to get on my old block cell phone, you know, my, yeah. my 34, <laughs> 3401 from Nokia, and I'm mm -hmm. going to call somebody, right? But we didn't have any other options than that. Today, there's so many options to grow a business, and there's, there's so many people that are in these groups, and they're going, hey, I just landed a couple of cars. I'm brand new. What do I do? What do, I, do I say that to people? Right. Do I? Yeah. I mean, we, they literally we touched start on this last week. Yeah. I mean, we, we touched on this a little bit last week and, and I, I need, you know, if you're going out and doing things that you feel confident you should be doing, then there's no reason to inform anybody of anything. You're just a person providing a service where people seem to get in trouble. And this, this is, you know, probably the biggest reason we see buffer trails or holograms or things like that from polishers is because people don't know what they don't know. And they go out and somebody says, hey, I'll pay you 300 bucks if you can buff out that scratch. And they're like, well, I need 300 bucks. And boom, they go grab a rotary from Harbor Freight and an old wool pad and they throw it on there and they went to O'Reilly's and they bought a compound and all of a sudden you got buffer and buffer trails and holograms and swirls all over the paint, right? If you're new and you've put in the time even working on your own cars, okay, to develop a good wash process, the ability to clean an interior, you know, cleaning an interior 
can get very detailed, not to, you know, like use a, a silly term, obviously we're detailers, but it can get very detailed. But what if I just offered somebody a wash and a, and a cleanup of the interior, very basic. And I've been taking care of my cars, Nick, for the last three or four years in my driveway. And I do it every week and here's my results and they're good. We all got to start somewhere. But this is also where guys have to be honest with themselves is, are you doing the right thing by taking their money? Because if you don't feel like you're providing a good service, then that's a whole different type of discussion. And I think that's where those guys get in those groups and they start to feel bad because, hey, I'm kind of charging somebody here and I haven't really put in the necessary time or effort to really charge them for this. And that's where I see the insecurity from. By the time I was out on my own doing details for myself, I had put in my time. I knew exactly what I was doing and I actually knew exactly what to charge. I get it. Not everybody starts that way, but maybe that's sort of the, the, the line of thinking we need to go back to is it's sort of okay, man, that you're nervous. I get that part of it where we were all nervous for our first clients, but some of the general worry we see is because people aren't confident that they actually have the skills to charge for. Right. All right. So what do you say if you're new? I don't, I, At, first no, of all, no, don't no, ever on, tell somebody on, you're on. new. No, 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 no. This is what I'm like. This is where it's funny, right? Okay, you're right. It doesn't matter if you're new. But what what do you say if I was going with if you're new in a shop and somebody calls and asks for tint? That's where I was going. What do you do if you're new in a shop and somebody calls and asks you for tint? I can't <laughs> believe <laughs> screw you, Marty. That's what they say. Oh man. So guys, you're you're everybody's been through this. And, and again, I'm saying this, most of you aren't seeing this, you're hearing it. I'm saying this with a smile on my face. Like this is the way you got to take this kind of stuff because you'll go insane otherwise, right? Because you're going to get, I get so many phone calls now, my phone texts, emails with just referrals alone at the size of my company, my phone rings all day, which is okay. That's what you want to have happen, right? That's like, it's a good problem to have. It's bad when it does it. Yeah. It's bad when it's not ringing. So one of the things that happened last week is I got a referral from a mechanic that I actually, he's my friend. He went and rescued a, uh, a garage uh, from, from the guy I'm actually going to tell you the story about, got in a lot of trouble and, and it was going to cost him a ton of money and he got it was stolen from and all this other stuff. So he goes, hey man, you know, my business partner, Steven needs his Hellcat ceramic coated. This is the lead I heard about. This is the referral part that I heard about from my buddy, Mark. I said, okay, Mark, great. Give him my number. Love to help him out. That's a no brainer. Yeah. So the way I deal with referrals, and this can kind of be something as like a lesson in between all this funny story part of it is when somebody says, hey, I referred Steven to you. I put a note in my phone that I follow up every few days with the person that gave me the referral to let them know if I have or have not heard from that referral they gave me. Because I don't want them to think I've blown someone off. And I don't want that person to lie to my buddy and say, Oh, well, I called him and, 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 you know, he did this. No, no, no. I'm going to tell you what happened. That's how I work my referrals. I make sure everyone's in the loop. And that's why I get a lot of referrals because I'm very upfront about it. So I tell Marcus that, hey, it's been a week. I haven't heard from Steve. 
Just want to let you know, never heard on that Hellcat. His first, the first red flag comes up now. He goes, oh, he said he called you and no one answered. I said, well, look, no text, no voicemail. I do miss calls from time to time, but he didn't call me. And I knew he hadn't because I went back and looked. He hadn't called me. I really don't miss that many phone calls. I pick up as fast as I can, and I want to be as helpful as I can. That's just business 101. So I say it to him again like a week later. So it's now two weeks into this referral. I said, hey, man, still haven't heard from him. He goes, oh, don't worry. He's going to stop by here today, and, and I'll make sure he calls you. Well, be careful what you wish for. So guy calls me. I said, hey, man, heard you have a Hellcat that needs uh, corrected and polished. Uh, and then, you know, a ceramic coating installed. And he just goes off. He goes, uh, I need two windows on my work van tinted. I need, uh, I got a new Denali, Yukon, a Yukon Denali. I need all those windows tinted. I, I got an FJ Cruiser. I need those windows tinted. Uh, I got a, I actually have a, uh, another work van. I need two windows on that tinted. I haven't heard anything about the Hellcat now. I said, uh, yeah, I don't really tint windows. He goes, uh, so when can I drop that truck off or that van off to get two windows tinted? I said, uh, yeah, I don't really tint windows. I said, we offer tint services as an add-on for people buying a, a higher package here. I basically bring in trusted people to do the tint on a bigger packaged vehicle, right? Something we're doing correction and coding and PPF or whatever. Just keeps going, Marty. Like, just like I didn't even say anything. This is now the second time I've said I don't do a tent. I go, hey, man, so why don't we talk about the Hellcat? He goes, well, how can we schedule in my van? I, oh, tents? I thought he was going to say, okay, I need the Hellcat tinted. <laughs> Dude, we didn't even get that far. So anyway, <laughs> he says to me, he goes, uh, so when can I drop that van off to get the two, two front windows tinted? I said, hey, man. Uh, I don't really do tent. I said, this is the third time I've said this. I don't really do tent. You need to just go to a tent shop because if you come to me, I, you know, I'm going to charge you for my time and, you know, tent isn't that expensive, you know, for what you're looking for, two windows on a van. I mean, that's what you told me you're looking for. So I so said, let's get back to the Hellcat. I'm still trying to sell the guy. I mean, I already know that this is a, uh, a phone call off the rails, so to speak, but I'm here to sell jobs for my business. And so this is when the conversation turns even more hilarious. Goes, well, the, the Hellcat really doesn't need anything. Just him. <laughs> he goes, Hellcat really doesn't need anything. He goes, it's under a tarp. It's got 3,000 miles on it. I've owned it for a couple of years. Uh, it's under a tarp and, uh, you know, it's in perfect shape. Now, when you hear the word tarp in perfect shape, everybody listening now knows exactly. You probably all rolled your eyes like I rolled my eyes. I said, let me ask you a question. Who's been taking care of this Hellcat? He goes, I have. Oh, it's perfect. He goes, it's better than when I got it from the dealership. I said, oh, yeah? At this point in time, I'm just having a laugh now. You know what I mean? Like, I'm going to be respectful, whatever. But I'm like, you take care of cars professionally? He just sits on the other end of the phone. 
He's like, no, but you know, if it needs washed, I wash it. I go, what, what products do you use? There's no answer. And a younger me, maybe I'd have been a little pissed off at this phone call. An older me, I learned to have a little bit of humor about it, but here's the deal. He's getting those windows tinted. So the next morning rolls around and he goes, why do you those van? You know, at the end of the phone call, excuse me, before we get to the next morning, he goes, I need this van tinted. I said, all right, man. I said, you're hell bent on getting this van tinted. Drop it off at my shop uh, tomorrow morning. He goes, oh, I'll have it dropped off at 830. I said, uh, I won't be here. I said, but 1030, I'll be here. I got other work to do. I don't come to the shop at 830 in the morning. I said, I, I got things in the field to, to work with. All right, man, hangs up the phone. Okay. So a guy a few doors down from me, I see a truck that says this guy's water company on the side, three or four doors down from me when I pull the, into the shop. The next morning. The next morning. And I'm like, oh, I got to see what's going on here. Walk down there. It's a tent shop because we have a tent shop two or three doors down. He goes, hey, man, my neighbor, not even the tent shop, because he's not there at 830, because my neighbor brought these keys over saying somebody dropped this truck off and I don't have them on the schedule. He goes, but I know you might do that kind of stuff. I said, hey, great. You know, I'm going to have you, uh, I'm going to have you go ahead and, uh, you know, do the tent. Like, I don't even want to do this. So he dropped keys off, not even to the tent shop, but to another business in our shopping complex or in our complex here. The guy has to then bring it over to the tent shop that's three doors down. And now I'm like, hey, man, just go ahead and tent it. Like, I'll pay you for it, and then I'll deal with the guy paying me. And, you know, for my time in this, you know, I added a little bit of a markup uh, on the tent because I run a business. This guy didn't listen. So I text him like an hour after I get here. I said, hey, your truck's ready to pick up. It's actually at my shop, my real shop, not where you guys dropped it off before. So he sends one of his workers over, Marty, and the guy's like, oh, I dropped it over there. I said, yeah, your boss doesn't listen. And the guy was just taken back. He goes, what do you mean? I said, I told him to drop it off at this shop at 1030. Why were you down there at eight o'clock in the morning? I said, next thing is, you didn't even drop the keys off at the tent shop. You dropped it off at the neighbor. I said, what if they would have just taken the truck? I said, what the hell are you thinking? Guy looks at me. I look at him. I said, hey, man, here's the price. You know, I made my little bit of money on it, and we moved on. But the fascination of a human being going through all of this and not one time ever listening to me. Between dropping the truck off at the right time, dropping it off at the right place, listening to me five or six times on a phone call, telling him I'm not a tent shop. This guy has a severe listening problem. And it's really easy to get pissed off at those people, but you're here to sell work. And so I still want to get the Hellcat in the shop. I don't really care that the guy is a bonehead if I get the work. And so it's funny when you read Facebook posts and stuff, it's like, Oh, you know, when I get to this point, when I get to that point, look, man, this is the gig. This is this is what you deal with 23 years into a career, having some idiot on the phone 
hear that you're not a tent shop 10 different times and still drop a car off at the wrong place to get some tent. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right, let's, let's chew on that for just a moment and let's pull out some good nuggets. So very funny, idiotic customer, but we all have them. So <laughs> let's take the idiocracy out of it. Let's take it that he doesn't really listen. Let's take all that out of it. If we get a phone call that somebody calls for tent and we don't do tent, how do we handle it? Because we could, could you say, oh, we don't do tent, but you already have somebody listed in your kind of semi Rolodex in your phone. You've got two or three people that you already know that you're going to outsource it to, whether that is you're going to go take it there or somebody's going to come in and do mobile tent into the shop. Right. So how do we set that up? And then how do we, what do we tell customers? Right. It's something that we don't do, but somebody's calling our business for. Okay. So you have a couple of choices. You could say, Hey, I want to, I get enough calls about tent that I want to offer tent services, but I don't want to hire a tenter and I don't know how to tent. Well then at that time, do you have three or four contacts that are mobile that can come to your shop? Because the last thing you want to do is get in a customer's car and drive it somewhere. All right. Let's say, no, we don't have those contacts. Then I pass on the work that you, you can try to develop those contacts. You can say, Hey, I'm going to go to Google and I'm going to try to try to find the best mobile people and bring them in and do this job. I mean, you got to start somewhere, but, but more than likely you should have those contacts. You should have people you already trust. How do we veg out, right? Like go to Google, get the, the local, you know, three or four miles, 10 mile radius. This is where, right. I think in my opinion, I'm going to go into that store. I'm going to introduce myself. I'm going to let them know who I am, what I do, and say, hey, if I get tent, people, my customers that want tent, is there a wholesale program that you offer? Right? And then vice versa. Hey, do you get detail? Maybe it's a new bridge that we can start developing together. Yeah. And, and, you know, what I like to say is don't expect the bridge. You know, there's okay. a lot of people, there's a lot okay. of people that'll be like, Oh, I'll, I'll refer you work. And you know, they it's probably great. Won't. Yeah. They probably won't. Okay. It's great. It's great that people say that it's, you know, but it's a lot of work to refer you work. You know, somebody has to have it in their brain at all times that I'm building this network of people. Um, when it comes to tent, it's a commodity. And that's what you have to remember as a detailer is, there's not a lot of money in tent. There's a reason why you shouldn't be that into tent is because tent's just not that profitable uh, for a detail shop. Now, if I want to build a tent shop inside my detail business because I do 500 cars a week out of my shop or whatever, and I, I got all, you know, I'm just going to become a full stop, you know, shop, that's fine. Uh, but that's not where you start. Um, you know, people really add tent, good shop owners add tent last. <laughs> You know, they don't want to deal, you know, tenters can be very uh, tough (laughs) to have in your business. They're a very strange breed, tenters are. And you have to ask yourself, do you want to deal with this? You got to remember something. The minute you start to be the face of other people's companies to your customer, you're reliant on them. Okay. So what I mean by that is, is let's say you have one tent guy that you trust. 
What happens when you tell your customer to drop a car off on Wednesday and that guy went on a bender and he's not there on Wednesday to tent the car? Well, your customer doesn't know that, that Johnny behind the scenes went on a bender. They just know you didn't get the car tinted. So if you're going to be reliant on people like that, the best method is you better have three or four people you can call at the drop of a hat to get stuff done. I don't care if you say, well, I like this guy's the absolute best. Well, what if that guy's not available for whatever reason and he flakes on you? You better have some backups to, to, to do that business. So I don't really want to be intent. Like, you know, I'm going to tend a lot of cars coming up because it's part of a bigger package. It's no problem for me to take a risk for a car that's going to be here for a week because I can find one of my tenters to come here. You know what I'm saying? Plus, I got a tent shop three doors down and they do good work. They've been doing it for 30 years. I, I don't have a problem getting tent, but at the end of the day, you have to understand you're now vouching for someone else's work. And if your customer calls and there's bubble in the tent, what are you going to do? You can't fix the bubble. <laughs> is your, is the, the people you trust really going to go out and fix their tent? Maybe they are, but what if they don't? And now you've burned a bridge over something you never really cared about or made much money on. So do you recommend doing that or no? Yes and no. You, you got to look, man, if you're early in your career, don't fool around with tent. I mean, it's that simple. Like, don't, I just had this conversation with somebody, Marty, and I shared it with you. And, and you know, when you're trying to do everything at once, you're doing nothing really well. Okay. Especially when you first get started, right? If you're trying to do everything, if you're trying to build a shop, have mobile units, this and that, you're trying to, it's like, man, get your shop up and going because that's what you chose. Once you own a shop as your first line of business, make sure your shop is making so much money that the mobile business becomes an afterthought, right? Like if it runs well, it runs well. If it doesn't, it doesn't. That's not our main source of income, right? It's sort of like I tell people in reverse. My mobile business runs the way it runs. This shop is an afterthought. Now we're going to aggressively try to run this shop in, in a very profitable manner, very profitable. But we only get to do that because our mobile business is operating the way that it is. And so it's the same thing with, with young guys getting started. You don't have to do PPF. You don't have to do massive correction. You don't have, you don't have to do anything. You just need to do things that are profitable and moving you in a direction to make more and more money as your career advances. All right. So let's think about uh, in a little different context, right? A little bit different in business, but what if, right, this is something that happens on a regular basis for, uh, well, in another episode that we just recorded with Sean, Chris, <clears throat> Uh, we were talking through, and Greg, we were talking through the question, do you list your prices on your website or do you have them call in for prices, right? So if anybody's curious about that, go listen to this past episode and uh, with them and you'll, you'll hear what the professionals who are building websites and building this stuff will tell you what to do. But let's say, Nick, let's say we get a phone call and somebody, you're walking them through, you're getting through everything, and they say, hey, yeah, that's just too expensive. Because I see that on a regular basis in the groups 
or people that are messaging in, hey, what should I price? Because people are saying I'm too expensive. So if somebody says, hey, I'm too expensive, a lot of people will, will look at it outside looking in and they'll go, oh, well, then you just need to lower your price or offer a discount. What are your thoughts, right? If, 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 I'm, if I'm a mobile detailer or if I'm a shop, right, or I'm doing it just on the weekends and I get somebody that calls me and wants to know what I do and I take very good pride in my work and I'm not overly expensive, but they just say I'm too expensive. Yeah. That's I mean, what do we happen. say? What do we that's say to that? First of all, it's going to happen the rest of your career. People are always going to say that. It doesn't matter who you are. Okay. Um, it depends on where you're at in the conversation. How much have you really pushed this person? You know, I come from a school of thought. I'm, I'm prepared to get between six, seven, eight no's before I get a yes to my services. I come from a more realistic approach on sales than what's being taught now that I'm just going to pick up the phone and my website, and my social media is going to sell everything. That's not the real world. Okay. So let's say somebody says I'm expensive. I just blow past it. Or I say things like, Hey, we're talking, you know, Mrs. Smith, you, you called in about a, a, a two, 2020 Range Rover. That's a $125,000 vehicle. Uh, you don't want just anybody touching that vehicle because it's a very expensive piece of machinery, dot, dot, dot. And I move on to the next part of the conversation. I don't acknowledge that they said I'm expensive. I've tried to start to frame something as it isn't expensive when we're talking about a $100,000 vehicle or we're talking about a $75,000 truck. What's expensive is when you go and get work where they actually do damage to your car, Mrs. Smith rather than do things with the proper methods and procedures. So now twice I've rebuffed her expensive talk in two very different ways, right? But you have to be comfortable on the phone. You have to be uncomfortable with the word no. And you're too expensive is just a longer way of saying no. Uh, that's all that it is. Now, uh, let's say that I've gone through 15 minutes of conversation, sort of like the guy in the Hellcat story where I'm being rebuffed at every turn. And this time I'm just being rebuffed by somebody saying I'm too expensive. Then I, I throw a Hail Mary. And I think that's what we want to get to. What, what is a reasonable thing to do at the end of a phone call? Uh, last ditch effort. I look at every phone call like this. This is my last time talking to this person. If they don't buy from me, the likelihood I'm ever going to hear from them again is pretty close to 0%. Okay. Now break that down. Why is that? Because I think, I mean, I think there would be some sentiment that some people would, would not, because we get to this point and they're in the phone call. They might want to feel that they want to leave it on a good note, you know, or leave it on a, uh, okay, well, you know, if you can reconsider, you know, here's my website, or if you reconsider, you know, reach out to me. Right. Or there's yeah. a, okay, well, let me know. Yeah. And, and look, man, that's a bad habit. You need to think about how do I close deals? How do I close deals for my business? And if you don't think that way, you're going to be out of business pretty quickly. Now, you may not say it the way I just said it, and you may have a more fancy terminology than that, but that's what it is. You need to close sales. And it doesn't matter what business you're in. Detailing is no different than software sales, than uh, being a plumber. It, it, when you're in business for yourself, you're, you're a marketing and salesperson 24-7. 
And if you're not good at sales, you better hire people that are. And the idea that somebody's going to call you back when you start looking at the statistics that sales organizations put together, you know, I'm coming back. They don't come back. They, they, they may get their card detailed, but it's not going to be by you 99 out of a hundred times. So you should take Hail Marys at the end of initial phone calls because that's your best case scenario for you actually moving forward in business. If it's just, I want to end everything on a good note, that sounds great. But what it means is you didn't actually push somebody to buy stuff from you because we hear a lot about car salesmen. You know what happens in America though? A lot of cars get sold. Do you need to be as slimy and lie and do all the things that, no. Do you need to have the aggression of car salesmen though? Probably. And you probably need to be realistic about that. So what's the, what's the overall Hail Mary? Break, it, break us the Hail Mary down because I'm at the end of the conversation they're saying I'm too expensive. Uh, I'm trying to, you know, offer something to them. I mean, what, what do I say at the end of the conversation? Yeah. So here, here would be a great sales, Mary, uh, hail, hail Mary sales, sales Mary? pitch. Yeah. Uh, for everybody. And again, you need to put it in your words and how you speak and, 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 and how it fits you. But I've, I've had pretty good success with, you know, Mrs. Smith, what do you do for a living? Uh, I'm an attorney. Great. I would bet that you want your clients to pay your going rate because you've worked really hard to be the best attorney you can be. Yes. And you'll get it. You'll get a silence just like this. Mm -hmm. Be very silent. Well, yeah, but okay. Well, the going rate to have great work done on your car is what I quoted you. I wouldn't be in business. You wouldn't have been a referral or you wouldn't have seen me online if I was a business that wasn't doing great work. And the bottom line is everybody that's at the top of their field doing top-notch work is making a lot of money to do whatever they are doing, whether it's an attorney, whether it's a plumber, whether it's a doctor. And so Mrs. Smith, I would really implore you to, to, to rethink not signing up for this service because I believe it fits you the best that it can. Now, it's going to come off aggressive to some people listening, and that's fine. But none of it was disrespectful. None of it was dishonest. It was just straight to the point of, if this person hangs up, they're not going to ever buy a product or a service from me ever. So I'm going to take every shot to win that I can. And that is a great thing to say to people because it starts to relate to their life. Nobody believes they're getting underpaid. They just don't, or they're not going to admit it to you on the phone. They're going to say, well, yeah, I'm great at what I do. And yeah, they do pay me a lot. Okay. So you don't think other, other people should be paid at the top of their business, or you don't think a business should make money like you, the business owner make on yours. However you need to word it, you need to ask them and relate it to them. That's my Hail Mary. And it's worked a lot. And look, it's gotten some people really pissed off too. But I have a theory, and I told you this. I want them to leave buying for me or a little pissed off about the phone call because I'm going to push them. And I'm going to call them on their BS like I'm too expensive. I'm not too expensive. If I was too expensive, I wouldn't be in business. Now, 
are there guys out there charging a lot while they're sitting on their ass Monday through Thursday and doing one detail a week? Yeah, you're probably too expensive. But when I've been busy for 10 straight years, I'm not too expensive. If I was, the marketplace would tell me that. So there is a, a median here, right? Like there, there's some people that you and I know are sitting online all day in a Facebook group and going, how does this guy have the time? Well, the reason he has the time is because he's working one day a week. And every now and then he sells a big ticket. You know, he wants everything to be three grand. And once in a while, he sells one of those. But four or five, six days a week, he's sitting on his ass in his house. And if that's you, you're too expensive or your sales pitch is horrible. But most likely you're too expensive for your skill set or your area. But if you're constantly busy, you're not too expensive. That's the way that it is. And there's going to be a lot of people that aren't willing to pay for higher end service. It's just the way of the world. I mean, if you drive by a McDonald's and a Starbucks, uh, those are lower end, easy to afford things, right? It doesn't matter how much, how expensive you think Starbucks is. They're average, you know, they're making seven bucks or whatever. Everybody can afford it. But you may go to Nordstrom and see a $20,000 purse and there's nobody looking at it, right? But somebody's going to buy it. So it's just kind of how you see things that, you know, people are going to have bad shit to say. Oh, you're too expensive. Oh, you're this. That's fine. Just battle it and try to get them on your side. And that's what your job is to do. Well, here's another one that it's a strange thing to hear, but every once in a while we do hear it. Uh, I'm sure you probably have never heard it, but, you know, people like Ted Ripley over the pain assassins, he probably hears it. Maybe not. Uh, have you heard it when you get done and you go, wow, that was fast. I mean, you're plugging away, you're getting it all done, but it just, it was too fast. It, I mean, we're talking about Mrs. Smith, right? Mrs. Oh, Smith. Oh, Who oh, we're talking oh, about, right? Yeah. Mrs. Smith yeah. says, wow, that's too fast. No, I mean, I seriously, I've had, there's people that the joke with Ted Ripley, if anybody's in the pain assassins, he's an older guy and he takes like days, right? So it's kind of a funny joke, but there's plenty of people that have said they got complaints because they, the customer thought they went, too fast. Yep. Yeah. And you got to realize something. It's about the expectation you set. You know, we uh, most of the time with new clients give them a, a time frame that this is going to take. So they can't look back and say they weren't aware. You know, we're pretty dialed in that way. But you have to realize that people equate the money they're spending with you with a certain amount of time. Everybody's going to have a different, you know, lever in their head that gets pulled when you get something done quick or, or whatever. Um, what I would say to that is not that it happens to us a whole bunch. I, I mean, I have heard it, but the, the reality is, is that I just say, look, you know, when we got in, we started working, we, we worked really efficiently and uh, we were able to get it done a little quicker than we thought and, and move on. The bottom line is if the work is done right, who cares if it takes 15 minutes or three hours? And if somebody really pushes you on that, all you have to say is you paid me to do the job and the job is done to a hundred percent. And I never promised you amount of time. I mean, I can sit here for another 30 minutes, you know, in my truck, if that makes you feel better, but you know, we did a great job and, and this is what we did. And let me show you. And I, you know, you got to be willing to kind of look people in the eye and, 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 and really boil things down so they understand. A lot of people do think about time. You shouldn't be selling on time. 
you should be selling on the work. And if you're constantly bringing up time, then they're going to think about time. We don't really, I mean, we say, hey, we should be here anywhere between three and four hours. Almost religiously, we fall somewhere between that three and four hours. You know what I mean? But I, that's just a tiny part of our conversation. I'm on the, you know, this is what we're going to fix. And you know what I mean? That, that three to four hours thing is like a blip on the radar of the conversation I'm having with somebody. Yeah, I, I don't, when, when I had that question asked to me, I really didn't know what to say either. I just told her, well, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> That's going to go over well. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, what do you, what do you say? I mean, shit, this, th this thing went sideways on me. What do you want me to do? Oh, well, I mean, well, you know, my bad. <laughs> yeah, like, fuck it. I mean, I, look, it, but the overall point of all of this today is, is for guys to realize, man, there's no end of this. This is just human nature. People are going to say ridiculous things that you find ridiculous because you know the kind of effort you're going to put in. And you got to explain to the best of your ability that effort and how much you care and how much expertise you have. And don't sell things you don't have expertise in. Most of the people that struggle on the phone, I find, are not real confident in their skill set. You know, guys confident in their skill set, man, I can pick up the phone and talk for an hour if somebody wants to be educated. I've never, ever rushed a client off the phone or potential client. I'll spend as much time as they want to spend. If they want to ask a hundred questions, I'll answer them. The more likely thing you're going to get in your career is people don't ask you, they talk at you. Hmm. And you got to flip them to the best of your ability as many times as you can to then engaging in them asking you questions and you asking them questions and starting to make it a real conversation. And look, I wasn't able to do that with, with Steven, the Hellcat guy. Like he just was going to talk at anybody that picked up the phone. It didn't matter that it was me, but I'm going to give my effort. Right. And here's the other thing. I'm still going to get business off of them. Okay. I'm still going to make this tent thing profitable for me to do business. I'm still going to take that work, hoping that it leads to the Hellcat, hoping that it leads to other jobs with him. Because look, you don't meet that many people with all these different vehicles. You know, he's got a bunch of work vehicles. He's got five or six family vehicles. I can't just be pissed off and say, this guy didn't listen to me once. We got the job done for him. We made a little coin on it. And guess what? We lived, lived to see another day, so to speak. And, and we're going to keep working him just like any other lead. Yeah, good. All right. Well, there are plenty more. There's plenty more what to say's that the community is asking about, but we can wait until the next episode. Listen, I've really enjoyed this wild range. Never imagined that it would be an Aldi beer, but hey, pretty decent. Um, that's that's some good information about what to say because, listen, there's plenty of times I don't know what to say, and it would be very helpful <laughs> to have yeah, some input. Uh, therefore, man, thanks so much uh, for uh, putting that out there for the community, and uh, have a great week, man. We'll see you next week. All right, brother. I'll see you. much for listening to that episode and if you got any value out of it hey go share it go let people know what you heard on the pints of polishing podcast and listen 
If you want to leave us a review, we would love that. You know, five star, one star. Hey, whatever you think we deserve, if you would leave us a review, greatly appreciate that. And thank you so much for being a part of community.